Welcome everybody, I'm glad you've joined us. My name is Ethan. And I'm Thomas. This is the Taraxicon Podcast, an informative podcast of Tarask Proportions. Alrighty, so let's get to talking about this party time. So, you have checked in this episode of Taraxicon to find out what makes a party. Uh, This includes your friends, their characters, all that stuff. (laughs) So, what makes a party a party to begin with? Uh, First, foremost, the inclusion of cohesion. Okay? You know, your party is going to make or break, or be made or broken, depending on the amount or the the ability you all have to be this cohesive uh, group of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so I think with that being said, so like, it's kind of important, you know, it's not necessary, but it would be important that most people's, and I, I don't want to say alignment, but their goals are roughly around the same because, you know, you can come into a lot of issues if there's a paladin who's like, we stand for justice and good, and the rogue of the group's like, well, they stand for justice and good, not me. <laughs> you might have some problems. Yeah, well, that could also be solved by having a little bit of understanding of each other's players and play styles, you know? Uh, that way, if you know, okay, uh, so-and-so at the table is going to play a rogue who is going to be self-centered and wants to steal things, perhaps i table you know i I shelf my character who's lawful good and uh, i'll play something a bit more chaotic or you know that kind of thing you know some understanding between players will go a long way to not only be good to for the party and make things uh, fun but also towards group cohesion i heard a noise and so i turned my head but i've been looking at my screen for so long that when I turned my head, it popped my neck, and it popped my neck so loud that my audio picked it up. (laughs) Can't wait to listen to that later. (laughs) (laughs) And he died. He died right there. That's right, officer, right there. So another thing that you're going to want to have in your party to be a nice, cohesive unit is uh, you want to have uh, a clear understanding of each other's intentions and goals and wants and desires. So, kind of like what you said, if someone expresses interest in playing a very lawful good paladin, you're going to want to understand that and you probably want to go ahead and cooperate and make, you know, you both come to a compromise because if you're going to be a evil rogue and he's being a good paladin, I mean, it's just like fucking at, like you're pouring gasoline on something and putting throwing a match on it and being like why did this happen? Why did it explode? You know, you want to have this mutual agreement and mutual understanding of each other. And then maybe you both opt to not make, you know, you're, instead of an evil rogue, it's just a rogue. Instead of a mm-hmm. good paladin, he's just a paladin. And maybe you guys don't press too hard on your morals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that that could also go hand in hand with the next point that we have, which would be cooperation. Uh, cooperating with your group often comes, you know, with compromise. And I've said it before on the podcast, a good compromise means neither party is going to be fully happy with it. So 
Sure, somebody might have been super excited to play that evil rogue, but it would be better for the group if that gets shelved and you play, you know, a not so evil rogue, or you, you decide, okay, well, maybe this is a good time to break out that monk character I've, I've been thinking about, you know. Uh, that way, everybody at the table will have, you know, similar goals. Uh, there's a lot of cohesion, and it'll ultimately end up and more fun rather than the issues that will arise later uh you know if you steal the thing and the the paladin doesn't know about it well eventually he probably will you guys are going to be in a group together and, and doing a lot of quests and you know when he inevitably puts Rogue's two and two stealing. together you know it, it might cause some problems which could actually end up causing problems at the table and not in the game just between people i've seen that one a few too many times <laughs> and uh session session zeros will help that make sure to check out that episode Absolutely. Uh, so you can so you can get a better idea of uh how to fix the problem before it even gets there you know <laughs> and it's not to say you can't have a lawful good paladin and an evil rogue uh it just means you're gonna have to work together and still be cooperative because you your goals will be aligned if you're in a party together if you both want to kill the bbeg you share that common ground so mm -hmm. you put up with each other because ultimately that's what you're trying to get done and then out of character you're both you're both trying to have fun you know so figure it out soldier <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean perhaps the uh the rogue can look towards the paladin like hey I think now would be a great time to steal that thing. It's for the greater good, you know what I mean? And the paladin would be like, fine, okay, I guess in this scenario, you know? And uh, that could be a great way to cooperate with your party, to play to everybody's strengths and to everybody's ideal. Uh, another th thing that you can go ahead and address for, like, uh, parties is the, the types of core members you can have that the, the that the party could be composed of mm -hmm. uh and you know i'm not talking about like the usual classes of like fighter he, uh tank or a fighter wizard monk i mean more basic concepts like a tank or support dps healer which is just another word for support uh yeah, the archetypes. but yeah, the archetypes. So let's talk about the tank real quick. I, it feels almost hard to talk about because it's like I just, it's kind of self-explanatory. I mean, it's a tank. You're going to be taking a lot of damage. You might be dealing a lot of damage. It depends on the types uh, that you, of a tank you want to be. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people want to take aggro. A lot of people just want to kill things with a lot of health. Yeah, Um uh so not only that, but there's, in my opinion, there's a lot of different ways you can play a tank. You know, you've got your, your basic meat shield, like Barbarian. You can have somebody who's just really high AC, and they often don't get hit, so they can be put in harm's way. And then there's the, the heal tank, where there, there could be a melee cleric who's running, uh, you know, obviously this is all 5e related. Uh, but uh, a melee cleric who's running uh, Warcaster feet, which would allow them to still be able to cast spells while having, you know, melee weapons in their hand. Uh, 
And then we can move on to talk to you guys about, you know, support types. So there's plenty of different kinds. Uh, there's just straight up healer. There's a debuffer and a buffer. So a buffer is obviously going to, to put more points into things like, okay, bless, uh, you know, guidance. Uh, they might have guiding strike, you know, ready to go. Uh, these types of things to to support their party members to make them do better. Debuffer uh, is the opposite in the sense that they are going to cast things like curse, uh, bane, bane, yeah, on on the the bad guys. That way, Blind it makes deafness. Yeah, it makes things a monster. bit easier. Ooh, a lot. Of, you know, people forget about this one. Don't slip on this one. Slippery. That's a great spell. Is slippery a spell? Is it slippery? It might not be slippery. But is it is it grease? Grease. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> People be slipping on this one. It's called slippery. Yeah. I don't think it's called slippery. Oh shit. Yeah, look at me slipping. Uh, <laughs> slipping. That's but, how you know he likes it because he keeps slipping it. Yeah. So grease is also a great one for debuffers to to run. And uh, then you know you also have the main, the main show stoppers. The people who get the shit done. Oh, yeah. That's going to be your DPS damage per second. Kill the boss dead, motherfuckers. You yeah. got, like, your rogues, your backstab and sneak attacks and shadow damage <laughs> and shit. You got your fighters who are just out there fucking stabbing the shit out of things. Okay, and I action surge, and I do it again. Okay, and then I think I'll action surge again. <laughs> do it again. Oh, and I do it four times every time I do it. And then you got the wizard with the fireballs and the mm -hmm, infernos mm -hmm. and the fucking lightning storms and the straight up power word kill. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he just dies? <laughs> <laughs> as long as he's got under 100 hit points. Uh, but I think all of that can be talked into with uh, things like party balance because... Let's face facts here. Most people want to be in that third category of DPS, uh, you know, but that, that not everybody can be DPS. And that's not to say that that is the most fun role, uh, but it seems to be what most people gravitate towards because, you know, in your mind, when you think of hero of the story, it's the guy who slays the beast. Yeah, you don't think of the the healer in the background or the tank who is just kind of like blocking attacks. Like you and my the, the final <laughs> the final kill is really important to a lot of in a lot of stories. It's a, it has a lot of significance and if the DPS is the guy doing it, you know, a lot of people see that and they say that I want to be that. I want to be the hero. Uh so a, a good way to make sure that your party is balanced is obviously you want to make sure that you have at least one of each type of uh, composition or of these of these archetypes. Mm -hmm. You know, having one tank, one support, one DPS, you're good. You know, you got three yeah, people. Well you preferably, if you're doing support, healer is the way to go, just because. Is it relieves DPS mm -hmm. just like the tank does, but you can like heal the tank constantly to upkeep that. Um, but buffing and debuffing is also very useful as well, especially if your tank is not or is going to be a high AC tank who just doesn't get hit or can tank the HP. Uh, so 
It allows you to be more supportive in other ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to also make sure that everyone's powers coincide with each other. If the support has a buffer that says makes the enemy vulnerable and take double damage, that's really great for the DPS. <laughs> Maybe the tank has a ability that says if I'm within five feet of everyone, everyone gets a plus such and such to their saving throws, which is going to help the healer, you know, try to prompt other people to make their yeah. rolls. Love a good paladin. Oh. Hell yeah, <laughs> paladin. Yeah, so, and I think, uh, you know, this is mainly speaking on mechanics, but I think something that should be said is along the lines of... Uh, you know, charisma-based characters, they might be seen as a, a party leader. They do the most talking in the social encounters and role play. Um, and it's important to kind of spread those roles around as well. Because having multiple, you know, people that, that can, you know, there's there's the guy who can break into everything, like the rogue. Then there's the, the bard who can get them, talk them out of the bad situation they found themselves in. All of that's going to help increase the success rate in whatever encounter the party might find themselves in. So, a good thing that you can also do is make sure that once you have all these things considered, that everyone naturally has a place. If your DPS or your tank, if they have things to buff, debuff, or heal, your support isn't really going to be able to or they're going to have a role it's just not going to be so strong Mm -hmm. but they're not going to feel like they are useful because everyone else already has that so you want to make sure with your party that uh if your tank or dps is going to have some things like that that the the support knows to invest in other things beforehand or the tank and dps just stop Stop investing in the support's role, you know? (laughs) It's not their job. Uh, But you do want to make sure uh, that even though you want everyone to have a place, you want to try and make sure that you don't lose sight of that balancing by -hmm. trying to compensate. Because if you uh, try to to do things that you think would be balancing, it might actually make the party be unbalanced. Yeah, and I personally think that, uh, you know, hit up episode two, player prep. In there, we talk a lot about communicating. So as long as everybody is communicating, it should be pretty easy to keep everybody in a, in a role and having balance in the party to where everybody feels useful. Uh, but what should you do if the party starts to become unbalanced? Well... Quite simply, you could always just change the party. Uh, There's no issues with potentially having somebody's character say, hey, you know what? I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to retire off. Uh, You know, DMs, you could always just kill off somebody. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, it's the preferred option. (laughs) Uh, But ultimately, yeah, you can always just change the party to better fit a balance. And uh, that way you can keep success rate high on encounters. And, I mean, worst case scenario, if that doesn't work out, change the game. <laughs> Say fuck it. You yeah. know, if if you are... 
if you have no if you have no healers uh, then go ahead and make sure that there's plenty of healing potions make sure there's plenty of heals that you can acquire in towns or mm -hmm. churches or religious centers or magic items or scrolls like uh, you don't have to have that role to have those items or those mechanics so if, and if you don't have a tank then you're going to want to give your players more magical armor, spells for your wizard to, to make everyone have armor, you know, such and such, invest in some crafting maybe. Uh, and if you don't have someone who does DPS, then um, just go ahead and give your p other people more powerful magic items that, that deal in damage. Yeah, yeah. Pearls of power, great, great uh, for magic casters. <laughs> You know, rings of spell storing, that type of thing. Uh, another option is, like, say, if the party is full of people who are very charismatic and can all take up a leader position, then perhaps throw in more encounters that are combat-based, that, that are more social, and, uh, you know, maybe the, the game can take a, a change of pace for more political intrigue and that type of thing. But, yeah... Either way, ultimately, the whole point of it is you want to balance the spotlight. You want everybody to have a moment to shine. Ideally, in every session, everybody should have that moment of, and I helped. That way, everybody feels useful, and they want to continue playing, and they're having fun. And ultimately, that's what this game is about, just having fun with your friends. And making sure they know that you made the better character. That's true. Obviously. <laughs> and if they don't, just let them know. Rub it in their face, even. Yeah. So, well, you, uh, know, you know, talk about... All they're good for is healing, you know? I do the damage. Ha ha ha. <laughs> you know, I actually found out that a lot of clerics... Oh, yeah. They have a, they have a they... problem... Oh, with, okay, not where uh, I was thinking you were going with that. <laughs> they have a problem with healing. They, they want to do damage. Mm -hmm. You know, it's and it's a, a lot of like it's just what we talked about before. Everybody wants to be DPS. Yeah, your friends might say they're going to be the healer, but they might invest in damage dealing spells. You know. Yes, yeah. and I will say, clerics can absolutely be DPS. Some of the cleric spells, like especially higher level spells, are incredible. Which is crazy because you would think that if you wanted your players to see the cleric as a means of like a healer or a support role, that you would make sure that the abilities and spells they can cast, specifically for their class, are those type of spells. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, say that to my guardian of faith. <laughs> um, so you're gonna adjust your game for your party. What are some things you can do? Well, uh, one thing you can do is just make sure that the encounters they do are uh, tailored to either juxtapose the party or show off their powers. Mm -hmm. If you have a wizard who really likes casting Fireball and you're in a political campaign, well, maybe you just make sure everything's made out of wood. And then all <laughs> of a sudden, that you know, wizard's gonna have a fun time becoming a full-fledged arsonist. Or, if you want to challenge them, make sure everything is made of stone. Suddenly, if he's using fireball too much, haha, 
everything's in small tight cramped corridors and there's stone so uh, good luck with that yep yep uh, another way is you can just add in things to make up for the party's shortcomings earlier we talked about if there's a lack of healing uh, you can always throw in clerics in whatever town they go to uh, maybe have some extra healing potions at the shops um, those types of things will help round out the party without making things uh, too difficult to change. And maybe you already have a healer and you add healing potions anyways because it's like maybe it's not enough or maybe it's a new player, maybe they don't know the dude. It's like, okay, look, you're a cleric. You do great healing. I'm just I'm just adding some potions here on the side. <laughs> the cleric's like, go on, buy them. I'm right here. <laughs> I know someone who's not getting picked up. Good luck using those potions the next time you're unconscious. <laughs> no spare the dying for you. <laughs> so, uh, uh, another thing you'll want to try and look out for is uh, to make sure you are adding ways to solve problems that will benefit the party composition you have. Uh, if you have all three DPS, make sure that you show that off by giving them a bunch of enemies that they can very quickly dispose of. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't have things that do like a ton of damage to them that, that you know they won't be able to heal. Yeah, I like, uh, you know, for instance, if you have a lot, like a bard and a sorcerer, throw in more social encounters. There, They might run into a noble who's a very insufferable person but they do have control over the town's guard so you know good luck navigating that minefield of a social situation bitch (laughs) (laughs) why don't you just get fucked yeah how would you do that (laughs) and maybe if you have a shitty healer you could just tell him to get fucked that how's that for your party composition so speaking of party composition problems um what happens if no one wants to be the healer well you know we've actually talked a lot about this um if you're missing or lacking in one role we've already kind of discussed that you just want to make sure you make up for that Mm -hmm. uh but something we didn't talk about is what happens if everybody wants to be the healer what happens if you have a party of three and there's three healers what do you do then well i mean there's a lot of things you could potentially do you i would as a dm talk to the players to see what they're trying to get out of the game you know why is it that they want to be the healer uh you know most of the time we've talked about it's dps but uh you know if everybody wants to be the healer and there's three different reasons for why well, you could potentially nudge them into a different role that will still scratch that itch of like, okay, I just, I really want to be able to help out the team. Okay, well, you don't necessarily have to be the healer. Why don't you be the bard? You can offer a lot of really good benefits, uh, you know, song of rest, all of these types of things, and uh, even act as a leadership, you know. Uh, Oh, you want to be a, a healer specifically because you want to heal? Well, you're probably good as a cleric. <laughs> or um, death domain cleric, perhaps? Yeah, <laughs> just be a warlock. It's fine. Just be evil. Uh, 
and then finally uh, another problem that we see happening a lot is that even though you have a balanced party of tank healer dps you might have the dps trying to heal people trying to get potions and healing people and and he's trying to like fulfill that healing role despite the fact that he's not the healer now it's always good to lend a helping hand but if it's every situation and every fight or every encounter that they're trying to do this that healer is gonna feel like his role doesn't matter mm-hmm. because one role is trying to fulfill the other one's role yeah, I think uh, mainly the, the problem I see with that is DPS wanting to be the leader of the group. And, you know, oftentimes that just can't be a thing, you know what I mean? It's like, hey, uh, there's people that are better suited to do that. So perhaps let the, the charismatic bard or sorcerer handle getting us out of the trouble that you just caused us, you know? Uh, you're good at killing things. Let's keep that in your purview and uh we'll, keep we'll it let in your pants yeah we'll <laughs> let somebody else do that because that's a bit more in their wheelhouse <laughs> why is the house made of wheels no oh, gravity uh wait what gravity <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the reason gravity. why not <laughs> all right gravity wheels it's um uh eberron so something we want to talk about it's just some specific notes to keep in mind uh they we couldn't really fit these into a category but we feel like they are very important to your party composition which is one as a player your main goal of playing with someone or not main goal but your mission or responsibility you should seek to understand why someone is playing a certain type of character why they're doing that and see how you can help them achieve the style of fun that they're looking for so if you're trying to if you're the dps and your friend's a healer and you're trying to do all the healing he gets upset you don't know why you just keep doing it you should try and understand why he's a healer why he finds that fun and then how you can, instead of replacing that role for him and taking that fun, you could find out ways to enhance it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so for instance, I had a party member who was a fighter who often gave the, the healer reasons to heal. You know, he would play a bit more risky to allow the healer to, to have something to do. You know, uh, I was throwing a lot of encounters at them at the time that weren't necessarily damaging them. They were on a ship in the middle of the ocean and, uh, you know, sea combat. They're not getting hit. The the ship is and they're going to go down into the icy depths. And uh, he says, well, right now, the only people who can really do anything about this is our one caster and the healer who isn't really putting out enough damage for this to to matter. So he jumped off the ship, started fighting in the water, and uh, almost died. And it was a great moment that is still brought up almost constantly, you know? Uh, So helping other people achieve that style of fun that they are looking for 
often leads to just good times overall for everybody and very memorable moments that can be recalled later. And uh, everybody likes that, you know? It's, it's fun. Uh, you also need to understand how a player plays. So, yeah, that's you know, style. Yeah, not just style, but as a person, you know? If somebody is shy and they, they don't really like to roleplay much, well, you know, help them feel comfortable interacting with the world and, and doing a little bit of roleplay. You don't want to push them, but you want to give them a little nudge like, hey, it's cool if you want to do something with this. You know what I mean? Yeah, and if someone is the opposite of shy and they're very boisterous and stuff like that, then, you know, don't try to um, pull them back. Don't try to say, like, hey, calm the fuck down, shut the fuck up. I mean, <laughs> within reason, if they're being loud and obnoxious and disrupting the game, sure. But if someone is very eager to do something, uh, let them loose. Say, fuck it, go crazy. Yeah, uh, ult- yeah like, ultimately, you know, if someone is getting their fun from tanking, or have them be the tank, and then let them do that. There's, uh, you know, it's just kind of... It's very straightforward. If this guy wants to do damage, let him do damage, and then help him do damage. You know, and you could just stay away from that. Just it's just that's how they're having fun, and then you just make sure you're having fun. And you know, a party consists more of just three people for these three archetypes. You're gonna have crossover. You're gonna mm-hmm. have interlapping stuff. If you're if there's two DPS in the party, you're both gonna be doing damage. You don't really need to one up each other. You might want to just consider working together and finding ways that your characters can cooperate. Uh, and then maybe you give a toss up here and there, and he gives a toss up here and there. So that way, both of you get, you know, that good feeling of dopamine that you're, you know, craving. Yeah, Another absolutely. thing is you can um, consider and help incorporate the playstyle of a player. Which is to say, if someone is doing DPS and they're having a hard time, uh, well, you can help them out. Maybe you're the healer, but if the DPS isn't doing enough DPS, for example, uh, maybe the healer can do some damage. Maybe throw out spirit guardians. Maybe throw out a guiding strike that gives advantage on attack when it hits it. You know, uh, helping them, or you know, if you have a if you have a tank and he's like his ability is down and he can't get the armor he's looking for maybe you cast some shield of faith you know you're not it's not typically your role but if someone's down bad maybe you can go ahead and you know lend a hand yeah and i think ultimately what that all ends up wrapping up into is that if you're trying to help your party members have the most fun they'll help you try to have the most fun and then everybody ends up having a whole lot of fun you know but speaking of fun let's get into a little party tactics you know one of my favorites is the old alley-oop where you set somebody up for a good smackdown you know uh say you rolled really well for initiative and you know that you can do some good damage but you also know the paladin is just waiting to smite Go over and push the, the, you know, enemy down. Give him advantage for his melee attack. 
allow him to just really have at it. That way he can come up and just do what he's good at and just boom! Smite. Another thing that people uh, will do is when they enter like combat and stuff like that if they know they have things to increase their dexterity or increase their initiative role or give themselves advantage or something uh, if they have an assassin in their team who's who gets like if he hits a, a surprise enemy he does max assassinate damage or something mm -hmm. that like will absolutely kill them instantly those people will purposely like in a sense delay their turns they will let them go first purposely so that that way they can just absolutely wreck shop you don't have to combat can start and the assassin cannot get that ability yeah yeah um, but um oh, go ahead sorry i had to yawn because you know i had to go replace that ac uh but they uh they won't be do they won't be enjoying the full potential of their role so uh, you when you do get in those combats you do want to be considerate that like if this would be very useful for someone uh and especially if it's more useful than what you're about to do like throw a rock or something uh <laughs> maybe you just you know help them do that uh that specific thing they're trying to do yeah absolutely um it's always important to try to use what actions, abilities, and spells that you do have to aid your allies. Um, you know, it can make for some really great times. For instance, I typically like to play DPS roles. I do also, you know, I'm pretty fond of tanking. Uh, but nothing feels better than starting off a combat and a paladin or cleric cast bless. It's like, oh boy, I'm really about to hit some stuff tonight, you know? It, it just makes things so Plus D4. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I don't know how many times that D4 has been the, the turning point of if I hit or not, you know, if that encounter went smoothly or if it was, you know, pulling teeth to get through it. <laughs> but I think with that being said, all of that kind of comes down to understanding how your group plays and works that way you can understand how they should play together and you know you usually do this in game at the table but like there's nothing stopping you from taking some time hit up your friends out of game do some strategies figure out some stuff explain maybe how your class works hey mm -hmm. it really helps me when you set them on fire first uh, or it really helps me when I get the first hit uh, and you could just uh, figure that out outside of the game, but in-game works too, just as long as you are basically just, if you have the opportunity to take it to understand how the cohesion overall kind of operates. Yeah, man. Uh, but that also includes positioning. Than, nothing's better than, uh, you know, hey, the wizard casts a web on the enemies <laughs> and the sorcerers over there with a necklace of fireballs, you know, rubbing his hands together like, oh, I see what's about to happen. <laughs> Let me take my necklace off first. <laughs> Don't want to damage this. <laughs> yeah, here, actually, you guys hold it. <laughs> Throws it. Yeah, but positioning is also extremely important. Uh, you know, for instance, if you're playing a rogue, 
try to, you know, especially if you're playing with the optional rules on for flanking, but it's always good to go for flanking. It helps not only yourself with your attacks, but it will help the fighter or tank who's up at the front uh, get advantage as well, you know? And then, you know, because we're talking about party tactics, obviously there's going to be a lot of, like, healing meta knowledge you want to implement, you know? If you know in D&D, for example, that at level... Or not when your characters are at 1 HP, they're actually just as useful as they would be at max HP. Mm-hmm. So you kind of want to actually make sure your healing is like not keeping them up, but rather just to get them back up once they go down instead. Because otherwise, you're not really getting that investment. You, If the enemies are doing 20 points of damage a turn, you're only healing 4 it's more beneficial to you to only use those healing spells as a means of reviving players when they're in their dying state instead of just like slowly giving them heals that is immediately negated by like enemy damage if it's single target maybe boss fight you know it'll be a little different but on average you want to make sure when you're balancing your heals that you're also uh making sure that everyone gets a heal uh regardless of their uh situation yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you gotta kind of give everybody a heal if they need it. You know, it's uh, feels pretty bad if the wizard goes down, but it's like, eh, we're still gonna get through the encounter. I'm just gonna let him bleed out. Um, <laughs> but also, I think it's important to say, uh, you know, there's a little saying: "Is an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of healing." I don't think that's the actual saying. I'm just gonna say that it's a saying because it sounds good. But, Sounds uh, right to me. <laughs> you know, doing things like uh, bless, you know, having uh, death wards casted, those types of things, is going to do a lot better and allow the healer to focus more on buffing, debuffing, and utility purposes rather than just constantly having to heal. And uh, I think that kind of is something that we should talk about with playing to character strengths. You know, if you have a healer who, sure, they can heal, but they've got all of these other really great spells, if you're just making them heal everybody, you know, for everything, they'll never really get to truly explore their character and play up some of the other things that that, uh, clerics can do. And, I mean, ultimately, what it all comes down to is uh, once you're in this cohesive group and you're being respectful of their rules, you're d- developing your party tactics, uh, y- this allows you to basically take these times and these moments. I know it's great for a DM to see this, but when they're able to take a step back to let others shine in that uh, spotlight. As a player, it's just it's almost like a chef's kiss walking away bow where you're like okay go wreck shit this is your shit like it's like saying like letting the assassin before combat starts letting the assassin sneak into the castle to kill as many guards or watchmen as possible before you walk in even though it'd be splitting the party even though it could be dangerous this is like his ultimate destiny and so who are you to rob him of that you know yep yep you know, nothing feels as good as uh, 
allowing the wizard to end the fight with a fireball and everybody can turn their backs to it because cool guys don't look at explosions. Especially sorcerers with careful casting. <laughs> but yeah, so, I think that's uh, that's everything we, we need to talk about. Do you have anything further you want, you want to say? Two things. Uh, one, make sure that if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or if you have anything you'd like us to talk about on the show, answer your questions maybe off the show. Uh, feel free to message us at taraxicon at gmail.com. We are trying to gather as many of these as possible. We're also going to be looking online ourselves to kind of find things that we see people are like having problems with, uh, people in need of advice, or even just a response to people just who had a crazy session or a crazy campaign or quest thing that happened that we thought might be interesting to share on the show. Uh, I just... I just wanted to add in one last thing, which is to simply just ask, of all the roles and archetypes, Ethan, which one is your favorite and why? Um, yeah, I think it's kind of a toss-up between tank and DPS. While I really like doing, you know, damage and putting out big numbers, nothing feels better than being the tank because you get to be the guy that gets relied on. You know, uh, it's part of the reason I've got a particular fondness for barbarians because it's, it's just a great feeling to be able to go in and everything is going haywire, but you can still stand strong and, and you know, potentially run and help people out. And, you know, it, it feels like you get a lot more freedom as a tank. What about you, Thomas? What what would you what would you say is your favorite role? I was going to assume that like, well, you know, everyone likes DPS, so it's got to be DPS. But I was thinking about all the characters I've ever played, and it's it, they've never been about DPS. They've never been about being able to kill something like very quickly. Mm-hmm. So while I might think that I'd say DPS, I don't think that's true. I think ultimately I like being support. Not because it's like the best one in my opinion, especially like the best one for me. I like being on the sidelines because it's comfortable for me to role play, have fun, try new things, uh, while also being helpful to the party. Uh, you know, like for example, when I'm playing Rainbow Six Siege on the Xbox, I play Montaigne, which is a guy with a giant riot shield and a pistol. And he, so like, I'm literally foregoing having like powerful weapons and having just a little fucking pistol just so I can have a shield that allows me to block damage, go in first for the sake of helping my teammates get in and get the kills. So like, I have, I have like a high win streak, but my KD is actually very low because I'm not the one killing people. Mm -hmm. Uh, so healer is okay. I actually try not to be a healer in terms of the support role because there's like a stigma where it's like you have to be healing all the time heal me now heal this is like I have uh, fuck you you know no no heals for anyone <laughs> someone else be healer I'm not doing that uh, but I do I do like bards I do like that support of like buffing and debuffing and changing the because it, even though I don't kill the boss, being able to hold them and stun them and then being able to make them blind or deaf, I think is very powerful, especially as an opener, when they just literally can't move. 
I do like tank, but only the one that's like either AC or high health. Like I like taking the aggro, and I I don't really care about doing the damage as tank. Mm. Just that like I just have like high AC, similar to like being relied on. Like what you were saying before, I like that ability to just be like. I am the wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> None gets past me. <laughs> I think another Thou shall part not of pass. It that is always fun as a tank is to be the initiator. You know what I mean? I, starting off the fight, you know, I get to play the big dumb guy, which uh, isn't exactly too far off from real life, which is always fun to do a little bit of self insert. Uh, I just like to start the problems. It's always fun. You know, you know, I don't like DPS, but I will say that I have played a lot of DPS roles like Rogue and Tank and then or I mean uh fighter and maybe even a little barbarian in terms of damage. But I've never picked those things because they do a lot of damage. I picked them because of the style of play mm -hmm. and then the little unique things you could do. Like I would if I played fighter, I would play Battlemaster. And if I played yeah. champion, it wasn't to get higher crit ch like crit chance. It was so that I could. It was like the like the the role play of it. Like I am a champion. I am strong and stalwart. Uh, and if I was a rogue, obviously, like I'm sneaky. I'm technical. I'm inquisitive. I'm a mastermind. You know, like things like that. And I would even play assassin, but because you know it's really hard to <laughs> resist yeah. that like instant oh, yeah. kill be super like be an assassino uh another thing is uh rangers gloom walker for dnd like the ability where they're like if you're in darkness you're invisible it's like i like that fly on the wall mentality where you're just like i'm i'm here guys just uh I'm just you just can't I'm just you just don't know I'm here that's all you like it just like first bolts Thomas is an edge lord edge well <laughs> you remember that character uh keyblade maximus oh yeah <laughs> purposefully edgy character though he had a, a lot player. of depth <laughs> oh, uh okay no no okay I'm not saying I'm not saying he had to be a rogue to be edgy I'm just saying he was oh, purposely I'm just Wait, saying, he I... wasn't very DPS. Uh, he was a cleric. Oh, no, yeah. Um, that's, well, okay, okay, well, hold up now. He <laughs> was, d despite being a cleric, he was very DPS because I purposefully uh, did the Twilight Domain, which is like, okay, to be fair, that's not a DPS thing. That's a uh, <laughs> tank. That's a, that's a tank thing. Uh, because, you know... Uh, every turn I give temporary HP equal to like fucking 10 to 20 HP and that's for everyone in the bubble and they could just stand in and out of the bubble to get like renew the effects and shit it's like I, I wasn't trying to break the game especially when you were the DM it was just like I love the Twilight Domain and if they changed the damage to nerf it to make it balance I would still play it uh, I do think it's probably one of my favorite domains they've ever made for Cleric it's just, uh, I don't know, something about it is just super interesting. I like the fact that you can just fly in dim light and things like that. That's just super fly. cool. <laughs> I am the knight. That's probably what they, they <laughs> say when you're making it. <laughs> right. They're like, okay, okay, how can we do this? So, uh, but yeah, I think, I think that's uh, everything. 
With that being said, thank you for taking a mystical dive into our tabletop lexicon. Join us in the future as we embark on the next episode of Taraxicon. Taraxicon.